What is it that you came here looking for this morning? What did you come here looking for this morning? Did you come here, I, I don't know, looking to check a box? Did you come here this morning, or did you come here this morning looking to praise Him? Because just like in Jennifer's song that she was singing, you know, regardless of our situation, regardless of, of how bad it hurts or, or how much you have to give up or, or what it costs, the Lord is worthy of our praise this morning. And regardless of, of what you have going on this afternoon or, or what a typical Sunday should be, the Lord is, is worthy of praise and He is worthy for us to give our heart wholly and completely to Him and to come here this morning only looking and seeking after Him. But a lot of times, just in a nutshell of what we're talking about here today, a lot of times I, Landon, myself, come into this sanctuary or I come to church on Sunday and man, all I'm looking for is is what I need. I'm looking for you know, what is it that, that would best benefit Landon? What do I need today? Does, 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 your, does your knee hurt? Do you, need, do you need some healing? Do, you, uh, do I need this or that? Do I need a financial blessing? What do I need from the Lord today? And too many times I come in here, or just like last night, I come in here and I'm looking for a, a message for this morning. You know, but how many times do we get in the presence of the Lord and all we're looking for is Him? And you know, it's a, it's a completely different, uh, different way of going about what we're talking about here today. Because whenever we come, into, we come into the Lord's house and, and we're looking for all of these things, that's whenever uh, everyone always talks about religion coming in and not having that relationship with the Lord. Because today, He, he wants to reveal Himself to you. He, he, he wants His word to be done. He wants His will to be done. But are, are, are we willing? Are, are we willing to, to go the distance and, and to have that relationship with Him? So that's just a, a food for thought this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 4. But I want you to keep that in mind this morning. What are, what are you looking for here? Why, why did you wake up at, at 8 a.m. this morning and show up here at this church? Are we checking a box early this morning? I got tea time at 10 like what what do we got going on? Just something to to think about. We're going to be in verse 7. And in this <clears throat> excuse me, in this story, right? Jesus is sitting at a well and and we've all heard the story of the woman at the well, I'm sure. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper in here today. And as Jesus is sitting at this well, you know, he's he's tired, he's been on a long journey. And he's just sitting there, and I can see him just finally catching a breath. And it says in, in verse 7, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. In verse 11 it says, But sir, 
You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you think uh, that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals enjoyed? And verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And 16, it says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount uh, Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father and in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who, um, who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So I think this, uh, little, this little passage of scripture is super interesting to me. It's, it's interesting because if you, a lot of times I, I have a habit of just reading the word and I don't sit down and think about, you know, the context of this of this conversation, but do you realize how many times that conversation changes direction? Like how many different things are discussed? Like we go from, you know, talking about water to talking about living water to talking about, um, you know, that she wants this water. And then he says, go get your husband. And then we're talking, you know, back and forth. Now we're talking about worship. We're talking about all these different things. And I think it's interesting how this it just keeps bouncing all around. You're thinking, where is this conversation even going? I've had a few of those, mostly with Pastor Kent. Um, you know, it's just kind of like one of those you can't really figure out which, which direction it's going. I can be mean to him because he doesn't have a microphone today. Um, so don't look for one either. But it, it's, it's strange how, to me anyway, how this conversation just keeps going from left to right to back to forth. And, uh, but the first thing that I found the most interesting that uh, maybe that we can kind of look at this and, and reflect on is how many times has Jesus asked us to do something, but we question him? You know, this, this gal, she's sitting there and, and she's just minding her own business trying to get her, some, get her some water. And as she's drawing this bucket, Jesus asked her to give him a drink. But he, she says, you know, she's thinking he's a Jew. He's this higher up guy. Who is he to ask me for a drink of water? And I think a lot of times we say the same thing in, in our 
way of relating to God. You know, he'll ask us to do something or he'll, he'll put something inside of us. Uh, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, public speaking or teaching a class or I don't know. I don't know how to give you a good example for that. But something that the Lord is, is stirring within you, but yet we say, you know, why? God, I'm just this, this lowly guy. You know, I have all of this other stuff in my life. I'm just this lowly Samaritan. Who, who are you to ask me? You know, I, I'm not worthy enough to do that. And, you know, I could see, you know, kind of like women these days, you know, I could see her being real sassy about it. Like, well, who are you? You know, you're this big high up guy. And, but I don't think that she was that way. I think she actually said it out of shock. You know, that, that Jesus being this Jew and as this person in higher authority it w- was willing to ask her to, to do something for him. You know, I think it was more out of, out of that kind of a thing. And I think we're kind of the same way. You know, we say it kind of out of shock, like, God, you, you really want me to do that? You would really trust me? But anyway, so that's one way of thinking about it. The second way, the second thing in this conversation that, you know, that I kind of not drives me crazy, but you're thinking about, you know, salvate, leading somebody to Christ 101, right? Jesus has a prime opportunity to lead this girl to himself. If you think about the way that we lead people to Christ today, Jesus offers her this living water, right? And she says, yes, I want that living water. But then he has to go up bringing up her husband and all this other stuff. Why didn't he just, just lead him to himself right there? And instead, he, he decides to bring up her husband. And, and the conversation goes a completely different direction, and living water is no longer discussed in the conversation. So why in the world? Well, I mean, what's he thinking? He had a prime opportunity to close this deal down, but he didn't take it. And really, he addressed an issue that, and, and basically calls her out, which in today's world, you know, that's, that's not really heard of anymore. You know, we're pretty afraid to, to speak something like this to someone because we're worried about hurting their feelings. But what I think is the reason that he brings this up is that at first she wanted this living water out of convenience of not having to go back to the well. But in assessing, you know, her home life situation, obviously she has, she has a problem with love. She's been looking for love in all the wrong places. And she has a, a, an issue in her heart that, that needs to be dealt with first. And so instead of just doing what we do a lot of times and say, oh, great, you know, you can be a Christian and, and you know, we'll, we'll let you still have this problem. We won't talk about the things that you're really struggling with just on the surface. You know, I want to offer you living water and, and you can be one with God and all this stuff. But this woman had a genuine problem that needed to be addressed and something to help her grow through or else she was just going to continue looking for love in all the wrong places. So I'm thinking, you know, What's this guy thinking? Why in the world wouldn't he just go ahead and close the deal down? But I do think it comes back to that she wanted the water out of convenience and, and not understanding fully what she was agreeing to. But I can see her, the, the whole conversation just shifts whenever this is going on. Because they went from talking about living water to having this uh, revelation. She says, sir, and I can see her being like, you know, 
you're, you're at the restaurant with your family, right? And, and the, this lady's food didn't get cooked right. And, you know, she's trying to get the waiter. And she's like, sir, sir, sir. And she, you know, she, she gets that attitude, that little bit of sass behind it. I'm not very good at that. But you can see her getting that, that attitude. She's like, okay, sir, um, you must be a prophet. And she's getting ready to redirect this whole conversation. Because she goes from, from talking about himself and, and living water to now she brings up something that's debatable. She basically, in my mind, is, is kind of driving a wedge between them to discuss something. But she brings up something super important, and, and she brings up worship. And back then, worship was a lot different than it is today. You know, you had all these sacrifices and rituals and all this stuff, and they were debating where and when and, and how uh, that we're supposed to worship. And, but she uses this as a way and a means of changing the subject, which, you know, we often do a lot of times too. Because before we leave this little thought, we a lot of times, whenever Jesus will, will speak to us something or reveal to us something in our life that we have wrong, he's not doing it out of spite and out of embarrassment. You know, he's doing it out of, out of genuineness of, of trying to help you through a situation. And it's the same with this woman, but instead of just taking it with humility and saying, you know what, you're right, she tries to change the subject. And I think a lot of times we do the same thing. And so in, in thinking about all of this, we have the, the same thing going on a lot that this woman has. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in religion that we forget how much we really need Jesus himself. You know, we, we want to check the box on Sunday and, and all these things and not really ever have to get into the detail of the stuff that we have going wrong in our life in, in order to address it and, and to get closer to God. But the third thing that I want to bring up in this little story is I, I think it's no coincidence that worship is brought up. And in this context, they're debating when and how and where's the right place to worship and, and what the right rituals are and all this stuff. But the thing is, is that today we do the exact same thing as well. You know, we argue about hymns. We argue about contemporary music. We argue about Hillsong versus Bethel, you know, blue carpet versus brown carpet or something, and the lights and the temperature in the air and, and all this stuff about what is, you know, the best way to worship. And I think Jesus' response to this is beautiful whenever he says, a day is coming and an Indeed, it is here now that you will only worship God in spirit and in truth, which means that it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter in what circumstance you're in, that your worship of the Lord is not based anymore on a building, it's not based anymore on what song you're singing, it's not based anymore on all these things. The only thing it's based on is how much you want Jesus. And that day is here today. And, and yet, we still get caught up in all these things. And, you know, there's lots of different opinions about how 
how to grow a church and, and, and how to get people into the Lord and, and how to do all of these things. But the only thing that's missing is the person who wants Jesus the most. Because just like we started off this morning, just like myself, I come in here too often looking at all these things and, and wanting things that aren't Christ. I want the benefits of Christ, but not him himself. And I think that's a rut that not just this church, but churches all across the world are dealing with is, is we can't get in our mind that we, we worry about all these things. But if we knew the one who created it all, all those things would take care of themselves. But you know, this story has, has a lot of thoughts in it. But two huge things that I think are important to understand as, as we move on today is that we're nothing without Christ. And as much as we want to try to drive a wedge in whenever he brings up stuff we don't want to deal with, if we're not dealing with it, then we're not getting closer to him. And you've got to understand this morning that Without him, none of the rest of it matters anyway. So whenever he's, he's leading and he's prompting you to give up some things, it's not because he doesn't love you, but it is because he loves you. And it's because he wants you to be closer to him. And the second thing is, uh, is about worship. And I think really that the two are, are mixed together. But, you know, worship is our praise to God, not not because we have to, but because he is worthy of our praise. And for some reason, I started thinking about how the uh, the temple was structured. And I was even talking to Ken about this on Thursday. I was thinking about how, how they used to worship. And so there was, in the old temple, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and there was the most holy place. And you know, the outer court was this place where all the common people could go. You know, this is where you would eat sacrifices. You know, you could uh, exchange money for sacred money. You could buy uh, holy doves. You could do all of these things uh, in, this, in this outer court. And you're familiar with this place because this is the place that Jesus walked into whenever he started flipping over tables and driving out animals and doing all this other stuff because it was basically like a marketplace in there. And in this place, it was supposed to be taught or, or was taught that, you know, that your relationship with God not only needed to be in your mind, but it also needed to be in your action. Because, see, the, the whole point was to keep progressing. You know, if you were here, you wanted to be a priest and you wanted to get to the inner court. And if you were a priest in the inner court, then you wanted to be the one who performed the ritual in the most holy place. And so it was like a, a progressive uh, progression of all this stuff. And then the inner court was a little more elite group, and that's where all the priests uh, ate their sacrifices. And, you know, that place was designated for prayer. And so they're, they're a little bit closer to the place that mattered the most. And this was the most holy place. This is the place where God himself was, and his presence was there. But the reason that I bring you know, all this up is that in this story, Christ said that there's a day whenever we would worship God in spirit and in truth, which means that his presence 
is where we are, not in this one place where we can meet him. That we can, can have the experience of, instead of having to go through all these courts and going through all this process and eating all these sacrifices and doing all these things, that the most holy place is where you are. That his presence will meet us wherever we're willing to meet him. And, you know, we don't have this crazy temple structure today, you know, because Jesus paid the price for our sins and said that he would rebuild the temple in three days. But, you know, praise God that we no longer have to go through all this stuff just to be in relationship with God. But I think today we're worshiping a lot just like they used to back then. And really, Pastor Kent laid out the vision last week of the RPWF 30, which is, you know, repenting and uh, prayer and word and fasting. But to me, all it means is, is for 30 days, repenting means doing what we were talking about earlier and being willing to admit whenever we've done stuff wrong and not driving a wedge between us and Christ whenever he brings up stuff we don't want to deal with. To me, prayer is just sitting down and talking with God. And, you know, we go through all this stuff, but to me, this, this whole bubble of things means revival. That's what it means. This, this whole deal that we're after is about you becoming one with God again. And, you know, we say all the time that we want revival and we want God to move. But the problem isn't, it isn't God not giving us revival. The, the problem is, is us. Because it's, if, if we are able to worship God in spirit and in truth, which means that we can worship him anywhere and everywhere that we want to. Revival isn't some, some uh, atmosphere that you walk into. It's something that's happening inside of you. And the revival that we think about, and today, you know, we think about, you know, 90 people at an altar or something like that, but that's because revival is happening in, in the heart of 90 different people at one time. And yeah, that's, that's what we want. We want people to come up here and experience Christ. But the thing is, is that the only place that you can make sure that revival happens is in here. I can't make sure trades in revival. But I can make sure the land in this. And the thing is, is that today, God wants his will to be done. Think about this. Why would God not want his will to be done? It, that would be silly. And in everything that we see in Scripture, we think that all of this stuff is so far away from us. But the truth is, is that if we're close to Him, it, it's right there. And if you, if we want all of this stuff that's in the Word, all we have to do is seek Him. But the problem is, is that we approach him in the wrong way. We approach him wanting all of these things and not wanting him himself. But whenever we get in close, and whenever we draw near to him, that's whenever he's going to reveal these things to us. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm saying this in a way that makes sense. But the problem is, is that ch this church and, and churches all across the world 
are coming to church, but they're only walking in the outer court. And in other words, not only are they not putting in the work to get to the most holy place, but whenever I walk into church, you know, I can just walk in and I can, I can uh, eat the... I can eat the sacrifice, which cleanses my sins. I can, uh, you know, buy a few holy doves and throw one at Roman, make sure he's awake. And, um, and you know, I can, I can do and check off these boxes of religion and never actually have to do what it takes to get to the most holy place. The way that it fits into our, our culture today is that we come to church looking to fill our needs instead of looking for Christ himself. You know, we come here wanting, you know, healing, financial blessing, someone to talk to. Uh, Maybe you want to lead groups of people. Maybe you want the gifts of tongues, prophecy, healing. But the thing is, is that never once do we move past the outer court. We just want all of the things that are offered in the church, but we don't want to push through and get to the place where God himself is. And the thing is, I'm, I'm talking about myself, too. And we, we only want what is, you know, beneficial and, and convenient, like the woman at the well. We want what's, what's easy and, and, and what's fast. And, you know, I think we're so hung up on this song has to be perfect and, you know, the lights have to be right and, and, and you know, everything has to be exactly how I want it in order for me to worship Christ. And we come here trying to get what we need or what we think that we need instead of getting to Him. And, you know, we think worship is perfect whenever, you know, Crystal hits hits the perfect note and, you know, when everyone's into it and, you know, I can only lift my hands and worship when, when there's, you know, at least six other people in the church that are raising their hand as well. You know, if we can all do it at one time, then man, it's powerful. But I'll tell you today that worship is perfect when you are only after one thing, and that's Christ himself. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter in what context that you're in. Maybe you're the people overseas and who are literally being tortured for their faith and they're still praising God because it doesn't matter where they are, but they can worship God in spirit and in truth. And you know, when Chip Brim was here, he talked, he talked about being a polar. You know, he was talking about how, you know, rain doesn't fall, it's pulled. And he was talking about whenever you want to get in the presence of the God, you got to be a polar. You got to be someone uh, who's, who will, is after God so much that you're p- pulling his presence down. But I'll tell you today that, yeah, you need to be a puller, but you also need to be a pusher. Because if, if you're not a pusher, it's really hard to get past yourself. Because whenever I come into prayer, man, it's, it's hard to get past, you know, the things that I want for myself and get to the place where all else I want is Christ. You know, we, we walk into the outer court, or yeah, we walk into the outer court, but we don't want to push through to the most holy place. And that's probably one of the hardest things to do is whenever you are, you're willing to let everything else go 
It's no longer about everything that you think that you need, and it becomes about the one thing that you really need, and that's Jesus Christ himself. But the thing about being a pusher is that you're going to have to be willing to go where no one else is willing to go. Because there was only one priest that entered the most holy place every year. And you might think, well, all these people are in the outer court, you know. And I think all the time, you know, well, all these people are are doing this, and they're not really uh, giving everything to the Lord in this way, so I'm just going to do what they do. But the thing is, is that if you want to be in the 1%, you want to be the Mos- Moses, you want to be the, the Joshua, you want to be, be in the 1%, you can't do what the 99% do. And the thing is, is that today, you're going to have to be willing to push past yourself and push past everything that everyone else is doing. Forget everything that you've ever learned about church. Forget everything that that society tells you you need to do and run after one thing, and that's Christ. But the hardest thing to do is to push past yourself to get to that place where he is. And you have to be willing to give up what no one else is willing to give up. And you may think, that it's, it, it's lonely being by yourself like that. But the thing is, is that you're not alone and you're with Christ. But I really do believe one thing, and that's that if you want revival to come, something has to, be, something has to die first. In order for something to be uh, relived or, or revamped or grow, something has to die first. And I'll tell you this morning is that thing that has to die first for revival to happen in you is yourself. And it's the hardest thing to put to death. But I'm telling you, if you want, if you want to experience new life, if you want to experience a new encounter with Christ, there's things in your life that are going to have to die first in order for you to get there. But you know, the RPWF is is putting to death our, our wishes and our desires and running after Christ. And, and so just to explain them, you know, repenting is getting our hearts right. Praying is talking with God and communion with Him. Word is hearing His voice and knowing His will. And fasting is putting to death your flesh. And I'll tell you, that can be one of the hardest things to do. Even if it's as simple as like, um, I was really not even in a, in a fasting kind of way, but I just decided that I was drinking too much pop and I wasn't going to drink anymore. And I tell you what, I went through about two days of, like it literally felt like I was going through like a caffeine withdrawal or something like that. And it was weird. I've, I've quit drinking pop several times in my life and I've never felt anything like that before. But I realized how bad my body was like, dude, you got to give me a Mountain Dew or something. And, uh, and so I ended up actually having to be like, Lord, I, I need you to help me with this because I'm just trying to give this thing up, but I feel like it's gotten a, a grip, and I can't shake it. And uh, so it's just kind of one of those things, but it's putting to death your flesh and what your body wants because we live in a society that everything's just right there. If you want it, you can have it as fast as you can spend money to get it. And sometimes we have to take time, even in the, in the stupid little things, to put our flesh to bed and, and kill it off and say, God, all I want is you. But I want to take you to a, uh, a passage of scripture this morning in, in Luke 17. 
And I'm going to prove to you this morning that this is still going on. And it was going on back whenever Jesus was, was here, and it's still going on today. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal the ten men? Where are the other nine? He uh, Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So, back to the old temple there was actually a, a section, a, a, a room for lepers that had been cleansed. And uh, they were waiting to be able to go in with all the other people and be able to participate in, in the structure of the temple and all that different stuff. And so when Jesus tells them to go show yourself to the priest, he's saying, hey, go show yourself to these guys and, and they'll let you in the, in the temple because you've been healed. But what I got to thinking about the most as this, this one guy that returned, I thought, you know, he didn't listen to what Jesus said. Jesus told him to go to the priest or go to the temple, but he didn't do it. He went to Jesus instead. So didn't he disobey what Jesus said? And then I got to thinking about it, and he's the only one that did what Jesus said. Because Jesus, he, this guy had an understanding he didn't even know he had. He's the one that went to the high priest and he also went to the temple. And he was the only one that went to Jesus, the one that he was looking for. Because, see, those guys thought that they had to go, and they had to go into the, the outer court, and then maybe if they're lucky, they could get to the inner court, and then, you know, maybe by chance, they could get to the place where God was. But, see, the one, the one guy that returned, he knew where God was already. Because he had just experienced him whenever he, he had walked away. But the thing is, is that today we have too many people who just want the healing and think that you have to check the box and think that, that you, have to go, uh, you have to go to church on Sunday and, and check that box and go on Wednesday and check that box. And, 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 you know, we want this healing and we want the gift of prophecy and we want all of these things. What I'm telling you today is forget all of those things and run after the one thing that's important. Because you see, this guy, he got it. But you see, he had to do what the other nine were not willing to do. And even though that he was by himself and he was alone, he was willing to go the distance, return back to Jesus because he knew. He knew without a doubt that what he really needed was over here and not in a sacrifice, not in a hymn, not in a worship setting, but it was in Jesus Christ himself. And so if the, uh, if the praise team wants to go ahead and come up today, we'll go ahead and close this out.
But what, what I'm after today, in, in a nutshell, is that we need some pullers and we need some pushers in this church. We need some people. <laughs> and not that we need some people, but man, God wants some people who, who, are, who want to know him. The people who want to know Christ will know Christ. The people who are willing to push past themselves won't even struggle with, with getting past themselves. If you want what we're talking about today, all you have to do is ask. And all you have to do is, is sometimes you've got to change your heart setting. You know, you've got to get your heart in a little, different, uh, a little different routine. But today, all I'm after is, is one thing. For you and I both to seek God above everything else. You know, we want all of these things. What I'm telling you today is just for the next five minutes, forget all of those things. What you have going on after church, what you think that you want most, forget it all. And what I'm telling you is, is to run after God this morning like you never have in your life. Because the thing is, is that if you want revival, if you want the renewing and the refreshing of Christ this morning, you're going to have to put yourself to death first and to walk in the new life that God's calling you to. So if you want to come up here, sometimes it's just as simple as, I got to get my flesh in order that I got to get up out of my seat and get to this altar. You know, sometimes it's in the littlest of things. But all I'm after this morning is that if this church is full of seekers, that's whenever this church is going to be known for the presence of God. But it only comes by each one of us getting our heart right with the Lord and spending time with Him, wanting only Him, not anything else, only Him this morning.